0: Okay, I'm going to record some thoughts on Texas. This promises to be rough because I didn't take notes and have been reading the book over a long enough period where I have a very sketchy memory of some parts. So I don't pretend for this to be comprehensive or even wholly 100% accurate. But anyway... um, I read I'm reading now I'm about four hundred pages into this history of Texas and it's a fascinating state very, very fascinating state. Um it has been tied up in its origin inextricably to the uh Spanish Empire in And what's now Mexico, Central and South America, Uh, you know, that all, most of Central, Mexico, Central, South America, like huge, effectively, all the valuable parts were colonized. (laughs) I mean, like extracting minerals and ore and gold and silver uh, from mining. And then there were coffee plantations and sugar plantations and... So the land has been sort of I mean it's fair to say whatever your politics that the the people and the land were exploited exploited in the most in the most direct and, and somewhat ignominious way by the Spanish and Portuguese empires and so the Aztecs that are, now, are that were in what's now Mexico City were vanquished pretty quickly by, I don't know who the hell it was, Cortes, see, I, I, I think it was Cortez or he could have been the Incas, I don't know. Was it de Gamos? I don't know. Insert, you know, Spanish conqueror guy from, you know, that period of Spain, we're talking like 15th century, 1400s, 16th century mostly, actually, you had Columbus in fourteen ninety two who sailed as it were the ocean blue um and so so Mexico for a long for a long long time for centuries actually Mexico was owned by Spain, and it wasn't it was Mexico was the like was w- was a, a name of like the northern part of the Spanish Empire that was i think. They had located again. I think they had rebuilt basically a colonial capital city where Mexico City now currently sits. And then there were two the the two northern states and Coahuila and Mexico. And um, after I don't know, this is maybe circa the seventeen hundreds the Spanish started sending explorers up into Texas, and there were these um, accounts and legends and maps and all of this that there was this great treasure in Texas. Gold, I think, was the idea. So they sent explorers to uh, across from Florida, effectively, and up through Mexico. Uh, to like start okay where 's like you know where 's the gold where 's the treasures like let 's find out what value we have up to the north and this was in a time when I think the the United States was just basically you know this was even the United States was just colonies at this point this was before before the um, the United States was the United States, and basically all that land in Texas was all um, sparsely populated by native. Tribes, groups, uh, the Apaches, the Comanches, some other ones that were actually the Comanches and the Apaches actually actually migrated. They emigrated down into Texas from up in Oklahoma and and um, from out west, you know, in Colorado and and uh, New Mexico and so on. So and then, but there were there were Native American tribes that were there, and they were mostly. Populated along the Gulf of Mexico and what's now uh, Galveston near Houston and then south down going down to Browns, Brownsville and all that. So uh, the expeditions, um, the most successful ones were actually also horrible failures. (laughs) Like it was just really bad to go into Texas. Like, I don't know how they got anywhere back then. Cause it was, you know, it's like hot as hell here. There's no air conditioning. You can only carry so much fresh water with you. And it's like populated by a bunch of extremely ambivalent to your arrival natives. So, but they did, and there's a famous expedition where they arrived somewhere around Galveston on some island and they were basically all dehydrated to the point of not being able to function. And they were taken up by this tribe Um, and then like at some point things went sour and like some of them were eaten and then, you know, they organized some escape from this tribe that I think was originally friendly and then I don't know, like just things went wrong. What with not being able to speak the same language and, you know, various other factors. Um and so, when they escaped and they were they like were like heading down back, like they figured they were gonna like just they would just like walk along the coast of Texas uh the Gulf of Mexico on that eastern part of Texas, you know, and back down to um you know um uh, Mexico City, and like they basically all died by the time they got to like. Brownsville like be, before they even got to what's now present day Mexico I think they were all dead a few people actually there were a couple and I don't remember who now but there's an account of it that was written which is why so there were survivors but mostly it was just a horrible failure and this was the experience for maybe another century trying to figure out like hey you know what do we do with Texas and so but no surprise um the there were eventually um uh, Northern military outposts and also um, missions that were established in Texas, notably San Antonio was an early Spanish mission and also served as a kind of trading post and an outpost. And to some extent, also, it was a place where soldiers that were going up in the northern part of the Spanish Empire could stay there and so on. But there was hardly any settlement from the British, the whites in the colonies and that all started to change in like the 1700s late 1700s early 1800s and all of a sudden there was people had discovered hey uh you can just go so what happened was Uh, let me let me set this up a little bit better so spain and mexico fought a war and mexico wasn't mexico it was the part of spain that didn't like the other part basically and they fought a war and they won. And so they christened the new country of Mexico. And Mexico was actually kind of a progressive country. They did not have slavery. And this is, this is at a time when slavery was basically completely accepted all through the British colonies and every in many other places in the world. And Mexico didn't have slavery, and they were kind of this free and progressive country, actually. And they had finally won their independence from Spain, and so they had a a, a government, and they were kind of federalist. So they had all these territories that were loosely connected to the central government. And they wrote a constitution in 1824 and they said, yeah, you know what? Like every now and then like this, like Davy Crockett or Daniel Boone or Jim Bowie character like shows up or Stephen F. Austin or Sam Houston these guys would show up and they would be like, yeah, we're just gonna, we just, we're just staying basically. We like shot all the Indians and fought them off at least for the time being. And, you know, we have like 600 acres or a thousand acres of land now, and we're going to basically, you know, grow some crops and I'm going to have my cousins come out and, you know, we're just not going to leave, basically, because, well, I don't know why, because that's what the colonists would do. They would just kind of assumed everything out there was theirs. Um. And the Spanish Empire had shrunk now. And then there was this new weird country, Mexico. But Mexico had written a very liberal and very progressive, and for immigration purposes, constitution in 1824 that allowed, actually permitted the settlement of their northern states in Coahuila and Mexico. They permitted settlement from the, at this point now, it was the United States. And so people started coming in and they started building towns and villages and, and, um, a lot of the people that actually were like failed business people or failed politicians and like Davy Crockett himself was like a, he was a once successful Senator of Tennessee, but then he had lost his reelection and that he's sort of like everybody. It's like, uh, life sucks, man. Like, in in the United States on the Eastern Seaboard, and then to some extent in places like Kentucky and Tennessee, like people that found their lives in different ways unsatisfying would make this trek out, and they it would be like we're going to Texas, and um, Texas you had by by law legally you were permitted this massive areas of land as long as you developed it, and I think you paid some. Fee, effectively a, a pro, some kind of a property tax back to Mexico, which they had a hard time collecting because the at that at that northerly a location, and then, then like it was like five hundred kilometers something like th- over probably five hundred miles up above uh, Mexico City. So anyway, so you had all these guys coming out. Stephen F. Austin was a former lawyer who had uh, gotten into some dealings, and then had decided that he was going to start a new life. And so you had all these dreamers and kind of, I don't know, dead. Some of them were just like deadbeats and get rich quick schemers. And also, you know, people that like I have mentioned were also very successful people, but had decided they wanted to go out West and start a, a new, new business a new life. They all started like settling this part of uh, the settling Texas around the, what's now the Louisiana border border. So the eastern, northeastern part of Texas and down through, you know, what's now Houston. And, you know, at some, and then they just like, this is the thing, right? Like, so they just basically, they decided it was Stephen F. Austin who decided like, where we, this is where we have to declare our independence. And this like, this is the, 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 the really most fantastical thing about texas history is that the whole thing is just a mythical it's not a lie it's not it's not i'm not saying this coming from a place with a bad heart about texas i love texas but it is just a factual truth it is just a truth of history that declaring your independence in texas when texas is completely owned by mexico it's like showing up in somebody's house and then just like you know going you know just like saying yeah you know i'm declaring my independence from you in your living room or your you know in your garage and you just it's like they were just squatters in the country of Mexico they had no rights to be there and the the only reason they were there without war was because the the mexican constitution permitted settling so it's like it's just it's just thoroughly bizarre for people to declare their independence. It does not in any way reproduce the situation with the colonies and uh, the, the crown in England, where you have, you have colonies that are connected centrally connected by design to the government on the other side of the Atlantic. And then you have taxation without representation and you have all these problems of trying to, um, live normal lives in the colony and be colonies and be respected when you 're basically just being used as a source of tax revenue without uh, adequate representation in the in the in government there, nothing like that was happening it was like it 's like if I went you know or someone went to you know, Germany or something and started a business and then decided to declare your you didn't like the deal you got after a year or two. So you declared your independence from, you know, (laughs) from the German government. It's like, what are you talking about? Like just revoking your visa, get out. You know, it's like that. It's like that it was owned by Mexico. They they had fought a war with Spain and won a bloody war to own Texas, and here are the Texans up there like writing a constitution, and declaring that Texas was theirs. You know, and so this is basically the actual true story of the Alamo. So the Alamo is a mission. Well, the only thing that's left of it now is the church, but it used to be a large fort. Where people would trade, military people were there. It was a big, like, multi acre spread. Um, and it, th- that was in San Antonio. And San Antonio was a northern city of Mexico. That's what it was. It was <laughs> like San Antonio was originally a Spanish mission. And then oh, after the Spanish Mexican War, it became owned, wholly owned by the new Mexican government. And that was what it was. It was like a northern post of the Mexican government, so then, like they the 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 white settlers uh, the colonists had started getting into skirmishes with the Mexican government, and there were tensions developing and so there were Tejanos, which were basically people who of Spanish descent that had decided to align themselves with the 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 settled the settlers the colonists from the now the new united states so you had the you had like the colonists of the settlers in texas and then the tejanos and then you had like the mexican military and government people proper who were like what's going on up here we didn't approve that why aren't you guys doing what is this deal about the constitution and so the general at the time a very talented guy named santa Ana, got wind that they were like basically forming their own government inside the country. So he started sending troops up there and the hostilities kept ramping up, ratcheting up. And eventually like a bunch of white settlers, I forgot who was the original rabble rouser, but basically took San Antonio by force. Like it, it's just an attack by settlers. Like it's not the, <laughs> nobody, like it's owned. It is a, it is a Mexican city. Like that's what it is by law, by everything. And they just went and like took it while it had a low representation of military people in it. And they all hold up in the Alamo. And once they were in the Alamo, they didn't realize that Santa Ana knew that this kind of thing was coming. And he was sending like thousands of Mexican military up to retake their own city and get the damn settlers out of his hair, basically. So the settlers like started like sending, you know, by horseback out, like saying how they were like under siege by this rebel force and all this bullshit. (laughs) like it's like what are you guys drinking man and smoking and guy like Davy Crockett had just lost his reelection and he's like fuck it man I'll go out to Texas and there was this kind of myth developing about Texas where you could get you could get hundreds of miles of land for free and you know it you can still hear Texans think they Texans still feel this way about their state it's a state of no laws and all opportunities you know And so like you had these. So Davy Crockett showed up at the Alamo and like all these famous people were in the Alamo. Right. And there was this big standoff. And the way that it got written or got talked about in history, it's like the last stand of the brave Alamo fighters. And it's like these were just the jackasses that, you know, rode into a Mexican city and took it over. And then like f- f- went oops when like the Mexican military who showed up to get the, to you know, route them out of San Antonio, like whoops. Turns out that we're going to have to make this like a last stand because we're kind of in trouble now and we're all going to die and that 's basically what happened, and Santa Ana made a mistake which could have cost him his life, but didn 't because he was later defeated in the in what the Mexico fought a, the, the war with, uh, with Texas later a couple decades later actually in San Jacinto and which is outside of Houston and Sam Houston was named after Sam Houston, of course, and Sam Houston actually spared uh, Santa Ana's life because he was defeated there and that was sort of the last battle of the, the Mexican American war. And he was defeated there and he actually had very pretty brutally actually killed, uh, ha, you know, assassinated basically the survivors of the Alamo when they had finally stormed the, uh, you know, they had stormed the Alamo and had had breached the wall, and everybody that was left basically was captured, and the war and the fight was over. The Battle of the Alamo was over, and a lot of people were dead, but some were still alive. And he just marched them out to the front, the the courtyard, as it were, in the Alamo, and basically had them all shot and thrown on a giant bonfire, like a giant fire, and just burned them all. And they left the bodies there. And it was it was deliberately to make a show of force to the the American settlers who were causing more and more problems in their northern frontier. And he was did that deliberately. But when he was defeated at San Jacinto or San Jacinto in uh, that battle, that that battle which effectively ended, that was the effectively the last loss of Mexico where they had to concede. Um, he he was, his life was spared. And he ended up going and and he was actually in jail for a while in Washington, DC, and then they let him go. And he went, but he ended up going back and and actually rearmed and caused more problems later, actually. But um, so that actually is what happened. Like, that's what happened. And it's funny that we look back on history now and we think how how brave they were in this and that. And it's like, well, Yeah, but would we say that by a bunch of assholes in Montana that, you know, took over some town in Wyoming, like some like, you know, Unabomber types, you know, that had, you know, and then started crying about freedom, like probably we would just think they were crazy people and, you know. So it wasn't like, the way that history gets written about the Alamo is just not factual. Like, it's not that the history books are wrong, but the way that the Alamo gets discussed, it's it's mythologized in Texas and in the United States generally, I think. And it's not really like that. It's made to sound like they were just like, you know, souvenir shopping on the river walk or something in a bunch of like... You know, shitty Mexicans came and shot him in the head or something. It's like, no, they like it's a Mexican city and they came in there and took it by force. You got to figure you're fucked if you like, you know, like you can't like, you can't like go into a sovereign country and, you know, by force of arms, hijack one of the northern cities in that country and then expect that the army's not going to show up. It's like, yeah, that's what happened and, you know, get over it. So that, that's the actual real story of the Alamo. Um, and the, but yeah, like the, I'm gonna have to cut this short. Um, but you know, it's a, so Texas is a fascinating state in the union. It has, it has just a bloody and interesting and larger than life's, you know, origin or origin story. It's just like it's just like the the forming of Texas as a state and for 10 years as a as a, as its own country um, is just it's just fascinating. And the characters like the 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 peop the flesh and blood people who forged the state of Texas are some of the most interesting people, Sam Houston being one of them. They were, generally speaking, they were brave, they were visionary, sometimes a little too visionary, like with the, hey, we want this for ourselves, before they had sort of like, you know, what, what, when it was actually Mexico, legally and properly Mexico, hey, we, we just want this. And, uh, you know, a little, yeah, so a little too visionary sometimes, but like, it really was, it was a, like, just, it was the epitome of the frontier, um they they survived first these like decades of like skirmishes with mexico and then finally were were, you know formed their own government which was originally in houston and then it was just so terrible that they moved it to austin and then like in austin they built it all with green lumber and then when the lumber dried it that basically the capitol building just fell down he kind of got the feeling they were drinking a lot of frontier whiskey back then. Actually, <laughs> like a lot of stuff was just like, "Why did you do that?" But you know, okay, like we're talking about just a we're talking about just a few thousand people in a very very large area. Um, but they so they sort of went from oh, and by the way, like the the slave uh, legacy of texas is very real and very strong in fact they are and i did not know this actually and it doesn't make me like texas any less it's my favorite state uh as i've said many times but it it has a very very staunch commitment to the to the confederate cause and and in fact they were they even made some of the confederacy look uh you know normal and and you know tamed down by comparison so one of the things that happened this is part of texas history as as well is the importation of slaves from other countries to the new world was banned Uh, It was actually, slavery was never legal in Mexico, by the way. uh, Mexico has a much better record of slavery than the United States. And it's clear why. I mean, slavery was big business in the South. I mean, it was just huge business in the South. You had these landowners in the Southern states that were, and cotton had become a major, major demand good. And there was really no way to get, to make, to really line your pockets with cotton money unless you had a lot of people picking it all the time and the and so the economics of the cotton plantations were such that the cheaper the labor you had and the more people you had in the labor force, the more money you were going to put in your pocket. It was just that clear, and so slavery- pers- persisted And you know it like it gets it gets. Sometimes talked about how the the North just you know were were more morally sensitive to the to the blight the of of slavery on the modern you know conscience, but I mean that may or may not have been true. But at the end of the day, if the North did not have the same economic incentives to persist that uh, that that particular tradition like the South did, the South was thoroughly uh, dependent and. Connected to slavery and and so that made a huge difference in their ability to let go of it so but anyway, uh, back to Texas, so slavery was illegal in Mexico, and it the importation of slaves from the Caribbean and from Africa had been by law banned at this point but if there but existing ownership of slaves was allowed to continue, this is like circa eighteen 18- 1820 1830 prior to the civil war in the 1860s right and up to 1840 and 50 so you had slaves but you didn't have big ships anymore but a lot of the people who left who started in the eastern part of the united states and then ended up as the settlers and business people in texas uh one of the thriving businesses was totally illegal actually the the ships would come in into the gulf of mexico and they would, um, full of slaves, and then th- you'd, have, you'd have people that would run the slaves up into Louisiana and, other par- and New Orleans and other parts of the South and sell them. And they would like disguise how they got them or where they got them. And I'm sure everybody sort of knew, but like they weren't supposed to be coming in through the Gulf of Mexico from the Atlantic Ocean. It was totally illegal. And if you got caught doing it, you'd get thrown in jail. But people were making the equivalent of like millions of dollars uh, continuing to import slaves through Texas. So that was big business back then. And the other thing was, is that when they wrote the original Texas Constitution, they had no rights for, for slaves like in Texas. And that, that was just not happening. Like slaves, the slaves were wholly owned. They couldn't get their freedom in any way. Uh, They had no legal rights. They couldn't serve on juries. They had no route to freedom. Um, Like, so like the Texas, the original Texas constitution, Texas was a state from 1830 something to 1840. I don't remember, or a country After it was granted, it it got it got a Texas got its independence from Mexico, and then it was a country. It had its own constitution as a country uh, for like ten years, and then I think it was it wasn't Andrew Jack Andrew Jackson. It was I think it was right after Polk took office or Monroe. I don't remember. James Polk is who I want to say, but at any rate, they they knew that their destiny was with the united states but they had they had kind of created their own set of rules which is to say like no government no interference with any any way you can make money in texas any way that you can get ahead in life that's the place you want to go so there was a very strong tradition of get your get your hands off my you know off my you know like leave 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 me alone you know and so it was interesting to hear about that to read about that and of course you know when texas um when the when the the north and south went to war in the civil war texas was of course part of the confederacy and they fought all over they sent they had texas rangers that were fighting in you know way out east in florida and so on and uh it was a hard transition after the war for Texas. It was a very, it was a very difficult time. They had originally had Democrats, and Democrats at that time were the pro-slavery uh, party. But you had a, uh, initially a, a Democratic uh, Senate and House in the now state of Texas and well they had to actually they had to be readmitted into the union under reconstruction so their reconstruction construction government was um the the original one was not acceptable to the federal government in DC like it was just like okay we're just going to go back to doing what we're doing and it wasn't enough they did not grant any um any real palpable Uh, privileges or rights to, to slaves in the state. And they tried to go back to the status quo. And so they had a hard time getting admitted back into the union. When they finally did, they had, um, initially they had, um, a government that was, that was very, very much trying to, the the initial government didn't do anything. And then when they had the reform government, it went too far in the other direction. And they had all kinds of, Freaking gunfights, like people with six shooters, and like people would fight, like a dozen people would be killed over some argument about a slave situation, and they had a Republican, which, which at that time was an anti-slavery government for a while, and that that didn't work. Like the the state of Texas was threatening to pull apart. In the reconstruction period after they were admitted they had for a time uh, Federal troops in Texas to try to maintain Some semblance of law and order. It was a difficult period of time And so when they finally got they finally got a, a, a State government that they liked it was pretty conservative, right? And they they had some really embarrassing lynchings and All kinds of like really bad problems with their, with the illegality of slavery and the transition, the painful transition they had to make into the new United States. I think they, it's safe to say they were really far behind in that and they really struggled to adapt to the new code, as it were. But um, yeah, but they made it and they, Like just about every major adventurous pioneering and just crazy like Western novel story you can think of happened in Texas, including the famous cattle drives up to Dodge City. Like those cattle drives were just crazy. They were eventually made unnecessary by the building of railroads, but they were just like, they would move, you know, I don't know how many head of cattle. It was just ridiculous. All the way up to the markets up in in uh, Kansas. and uh, the people that did that were just just I mean they were just crazy. like it was not a safe job. It was a long way to go to do that and and yeah, they had they had a continuing threat from the Com- the Comanches had become uh, in the 19th century, they were hard to they 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 were effectively a real, almost a military-style force by the mid-19th century in Texas. And they basically relied on the buffalo. The buffalo were in Texas, and so the, a lot of big game The hunters came into Texas to make their fortune selling buffalo meat back west and buffalo skins. But that was what got the Comanches pissed off, is that they were killing all the buffalo, and that's the Comanches. They That was... Their primary source of everything, food, you know, income, everything. So the Comanche's like really, really weaponized. And the they, they became expert horse riders, and they also got their hands on pistols and weapons. And so you just have one just horrible, bloody, you know, fight out in the eastern part of Texas, or even out west, out towards New Mexico. One after another, and it's just like, you know, like for everything that you can say about the white, the Texans who went, you know, go in and kill everyone, you know, in the, in the, the Indian village that you can equally say about the Comanches, they would like, just like, if you, if you got caught, they actually, at one point would give out little cyanide capsules. To people who like rangers and other people, and uh, people who were doing the cattle drives, and, their, and people who were traveling through Comanche territory, they would hand out cyanide capsules because it was so horrific, tor- such horrific torture if you were captured by Comanche uh, raiding and warring uh, raiding tra- raids. So they would, yeah, they would like you know, they would discover the bodies that had been. Like they would just stick hot coals in people, you know, tied up and scalp them alive and just like prolong their, their misery as long as possible. It was like, you do not want to get, uh, you know, taken into, you do not want to be captured by the Comanches. So the Texans were fighting the Comanches until finally they, they, They had like a – there was a – they were started to eventually like narrow the – winnow them down in number until finally they started like tracking the last of the warring tribes. They were put on reservations up in Oklahoma, but it was ridiculous. It was like here's some rotten, you know, over-salted meat and here's a tribe of people that had been riding free on horseback, you know, and hunting buffalo in Texas. And now you're like hanging out in Oklahoma – like with nothing to do basically <clears throat> it was ridiculous like it so the Comanches would they started using the uh the reservations as just like places to restock and like get some food and like rest for a while and then they would just go out on the war path again down in Texas and just start killing everyone it was just an all-out war uh and so finally they um They started losing, you know, I mean, they started like the, the Rangers were formed, which were like pretty much super badass. like think of like Western six gun type of guys. And these guys were not great. A lot of these guys were like, I mean, a lot of these guys would like have no problem. Like if you think of gunfights and all this stuff that we think of, like as the OK Corral, like this stuff happened in those towns all the time. It would happen over any little damn thing. People would argue over cash or they'd argue over like, who knows what, like any, any issue. And there was such little law at that point that you'd, oh, you'd have these family feuds. Like you'd have this family didn't like this family. And this day, one guy was found on the land of this other guy's play, you know, and the next thing you know, like the three cousins, four brothers, and a couple of sisters were gone you know, it's like stuff like that would happen all the time. And, but like, yeah, like the, the Rangers though were, were tough guys. There's a couple of famous ones. They fought against the Mexicans and then they fought against the, the primarily the Comanches. And finally, like there was the, like, kind of like the last stand somewhere, I think North. I don't remember where it was now. I think it was up down, actually down by, by San Antonio. And, um, this, you know, so the, the Indian, the Comanche problem was finally, they finally got control of that, and then they started actually building a real, a real capital in Austin and University of Texas, my alma mater, was built, was founded in 1883, and they imported most of the professors from other places, but they made a real effort to start building the state and but it retains i think the point is is it has retained right up to the present day and still going strong this kind of frontier flavor it's always been very suspicious of the federal government back east it's always always had a chip on its shoulder about how it had to be told what to do instead of you know determining for itself what its course was going to be and it's always basically had a very strong libertarian streak where, you know, bureaucracy and central government has been a big part of the problem. And it's always been very, very pro-business state in the sense that if you can figure out some way to make money, come to Texas. And, you know, that's been part and parcel of the state. It's also, by the way, had a lot of very brilliant people have have immigrated here from Europe Uh, People came out here from Germany, from Sweden. Um, And so there's there's this kind of perception that a lot of Texas is this cultural wasteland. And, you know, yeah, it's been about oil and big business and ranching and things like that. But it's got it has a very famous history, which I'll have to get into some other time with writers and intellectuals and painters like Georgia O'Keeffe. And a lot of people have gone through this part of the world and have been fascinated and kind of captured by the spirit and the vastness of Texas. So with that, I shall sign off.